listening to the SLCC podcast series What's on the Agenda. Each episode brings you content created especially for clerks. The shows include question and answer sessions with sector experts, special guests and much more. Learn more about our podcasts by visiting us at slcc.co.uk slash podcasts. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of What's on the Agenda, the podcasts from the SLCC. I'm with Shelley as, uh, today as normal, and of course, we've, we're really lucky. We've been joined by Becky Walsh. Now, Becky, you do training in civility and respect, and there's some there's some quite interesting topics in that that you want to sort of talk to us about today. So, yeah. good afternoon to you. So, yes, yeah, so part of the course, we've it's split down into four modules, and I think one of the ones that people find the most interesting is psychopaths and narcissists, and why they are so attracted to positions of power. So, in MRI scans, when they look at the brain they can actually see that people who have uh, these 20 personality types also tend to have a, a little section of the brain that's actually not not there. It just didn't develop. It's missing. And that part of the brain does also correspond with empathy. So then that means that in normal ways in which we would talk about um, how to treat people and how to um, get the best out of people, how to deal with conflict don't apply to people who are psychopaths and narcissists. And I think that that becomes very tricky because then you start to think, well, what am I doing wrong? Why isn't this technique normally working? So with the modules, you know, one of them is how to deal with challenging people. But a lot of those ways in which we would normally deal with challenging people don't really don't really apply to somebody who has just that little bit of the brain missing. And when we say that, in some ways, it can allow us to have more compassion because in a way, it's just a form of neurodiversity. And I don't think there is any such thing as one brain fits all, really. No, I think we're all, all very much unique, I'd like to think, especially in this room with us all <laughs> sat around the table. Now, one thing that did come up in, in the break earlier on, we, we were talking about councils, and as you say, they are quite a, a, a target for those um, sort of vexatious emails and, 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 and everything that comes in, and, it, and it's normally aimed at probably the clerk takes the brunt of that, that, that communication. And we were, we were thinking from a, if you go to the commercial world, there isn't the transparency that we find in local government, and, that, and that's a good thing, it's good to have. But it's also this, the, the, the piled on pressure that FOI requests bring to council. And often they're done in, it, it, there's an underlying reason for that, isn't there? And again, it's the clerk that's having to deal with that individual. It's about resilience as well. It is. That's part of the course, isn't it? Yeah, part of the course is resilience. That's one, one of the webinars is on resilience. But I think that one of the reasons why people do start behaving in such a bad way is when they feel that their power is being taken away from them or they feel powerless. So sometimes you are naturally somebody who feels powerless. You're naturally somebody who feels victimised. And that could be because of trauma in your childhood or things that have happened to you at another part of life. So we feel that the way to regain any level of power is to disempower something else. Now, because a council has a power dynamic into itself, you know, well, I'm paying my council tax, um, we feel that by lowering something else's power, we it perceptually raise our own. However, it's a little bit like a train when it's leaving the station. You go, oh, we're moving. And then you have a look at it. Oh, no, it was the train next to us. We're still in the station. It's that perception shift where you think, if I'm getting power out of an organisation or out of a person, then I'm raising my own power. 
it, it's a perception. It's not real. It doesn't happen like that. But that's one of the reasons why people become vexatious. So on the course, we talk about how we can empower people, give power away, because there's a very big difference between power over and power to. So sometimes one of the ways to resolve the vexatiousness is to actually give them more power. The temptation is to give them less power, is to ignore them, is to pull back, is to pull away attention. But if someone is craving attention and you give them a particular type of attention, not necessarily the attention that they were expecting, which may be negative attention, because attention seekers just want attention. They don't care if it's negative or positive attention. It's like lighting them up like the Ready Brett kid. So it's finding ways in which you can manoeuvre power in order to um, stop people being quite so vexatious or to stop it even before it starts. I was, uh, yeah, uh, that, that, you know, what you were saying, Becky, is, is, is absolutely right. You know, that those requests made to the council, you know, to the clerk, that there's, that, you know, a lot of them, I've seen, you know, I'm a council myself, you know, I, I speak with my clerk quite, quite often, and we've had a couple where, you know, they, they, they've written in and, and there's a, there's clearly something there that they want to get something off, they want someone almost to rant at mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. something. And as you say, the council seems to be, a sponge wanting to sort of absorb these rants, isn't it? It's so much it? worse now with social media, and it's something that was reflected on all public servants, and all public servants should feel safe uh, in, in their work, which is what Civility and Respect a Project is all about. Um, mm. But it is a reflection, a sad reflection, right from MPs right down to um, parish councils. And it's absolutely something that Linda Lata was saying at conference when she was talking about trust. You know, there's so many organisations where we don't feel that there's trust, where we feel that we can't be ourselves in the workplace, where we can't take our full ourselves to work and what starts to happen when there isn't trust is we start hiding so we start hiding who we are we start hiding our talents we uh, we feel that we can't be ourselves and when you get to a point where your authenticity um, and your integrity is out of alignment with the actions and the ways in which you show up at work it seriously starts to affect your mental health and I think that when we think about mental health and bullying and things and it's, it, I mean, there's the drip drip effect, but when we think about if you can't show up, you just think, well, we all put on a front to go to work. And it's true, we do. We have a professional archetype. And you may have an archetype of a speaker, as I have when I'm on stage, or a trainer when I'm training, or an archetype of a best friend when I'm with my friends. We have these different archetypes. And I'm sure that clerks, uh, counsellors, we're all archetypes in that way. So sometimes having an archetype can create a level of defence. But when your archetype doesn't feel like it's genuine, when it hasn't come from you, it's not your creativity, you're suddenly an archetype of a victim when you're not naturally a victim. And in the psychology triangle, we have victim, hero and persecutor. And we always see ourselves as being hero. But when someone's constantly going, you're the persecutor, you're the problem, you're the problem, you're the problem, you're the problem, then we become victimised in that psychology triangle. We all live out dramas, we just don't realise we're doing it. How do people get out of that cycle? If you feel a victim, and you, and uh, how do you get out of it? That's where the personal resilience comes in. Um, because, you know, with the average person, you can have what I call the free line conversation. You say um, exactly what someone did, you know, not like three weeks ago, last Tuesday, or a whole list of stuff, just one thing that they did, how it made you feel, and the fear that that represents for the future. So when you speak to me like that, it makes me feel like this. And my fear is that I'm going to shut down and not be able to actually express myself. So that might be one way of doing it. And the average person who may be in a stressed place themselves, 
uh, will not even realise they've been like that because they're in the amygdala part of the brain, not the prefrontal cortex. So they won't even know that they've been behaving like that. Usually the first thing they do is go, I'm really sorry about that. Usually someone with um, a psychopathic or narcissistic personality disorder may go, yeah, but you did this, but you did that, but this is you and you did do, 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 and gaslight you into thinking it was your idea or, or your problem or your, your effect. So I think that your resilience is about being able to express yourself when you need to express yourself, but also being able to kind of like go, this is not my stuff. You know, this is who I am. These are my core values. This is my integrity. This is who I am. And be really clear on your core values and your integrity, because when you know who you are, in actual fact, a moment ago, we were just listening to Ben Fogel, and he was actually saying about that quality of knowing who you are knowing what that discipline is from that self-understanding of what your trigger points are what your vulnerabilities are and what your strengths are then we can really move forward in not having someone push us sideways into somebody we're not and become an actor in their story Becky, that, that's an absolutely fascinating insight in, into it. I think, you know, we, we could talk for ages about this. Becky, it's really, really interesting because, you, you, you know, you, you've, not, you've touched on a lot that we hear often. You often hear that you did this. That's quite common. Or, or why, what, why do you think it's my fault? You know, and, and we're, we're there, they're looking to blame somebody. You must have done something to make this happen to me. And people are personalising that. And that's one of the challenges at council. Council may have decided to do something as a body, as a democratic body, but it's the me in that. You did something that made me, and that's the challenge, isn't it, is to get it, is to defuse that me. It wasn't aimed at you personally. It isn't a personal attack on you. Yeah, it's going much deeper. The Civility and Respect Project, of course, is, it's, it's high level as well, but this is really deeply underneath why those situations happen. So that's why it's fascinating for me. No, no, I, I think this is, is one of those conversations that recognised. Maybe more people are talking about it. With, you know, if you go back to, as you, as you touched on, Becky, mental health, no one really used to talk about that. Oh, that my, my grandmother never used the word power or empowerment. That just stiff isn't even was not there. Get on with it. Stop moaning about it. Yeah. You know, so you, you know, it was kind of, you know, my, you know, my mother was of the ilk of stop crying, otherwise I'll give you something to cry about. You know, so <laughs> brought up in any other time. Then, when, then we did have that kind of thing, and I think, I think there is a danger when we do start talking about mental uh, mental health um, in the way that the narrative and the story is being told, because things like anxiety. Anxiety, for example, anxiety is a natural feeling. We all have it. Um, it's when a panic alarm gets stuck on and it becomes chronic anxiety. That can be caused by uh, previous PTSD or trigger points that have created from the past in the present. So there's lots of different reasons for that. However, normal anxiety is just normal. And yet we seem to have kind of categorised it as a condition or um, a chronic condition. We start to use these big words. And what happens with something like that is because anxiety is something we move through, it's usually... Anxiety is caused by a thought, but it comes up as a feeling. So you have an anxious feeling. And then if you change the narrative to, I have anxiety, then you're not having a feeling, you're having a condition. And then we go, I am an anxious person. Then we're starting to make it become part of our character. And then later on, it becomes part of our personality. That person's always anxious, so that's who they are. And it becomes the label that we give them. And then it reminds me, and, and then that that shows up later on in life. So we all know the person who lives in the house, don't kick your ball over their wall because you're never going to get it back. He's a bitter old such and such. But what happened? At what age did he decide that bitterness became his character? So it, I... 
I'm troubled by some of the narratives around anxiety, especially around young people, that we're giving them labels that will become part of their personality, weakening them instead of going, you're anxious, but you're brilliant. You can move through this. This is something everyone gets anxious about exams. You can get on to the next level of this. But by just going, I have anxiety, so I can't, that's dangerous. You know, um, because we'll never have any more Ben Fogels of the world if that was the case. No. And, and one thing you said there, Be- Becky, which I think is really important to pick up, it's the label someone else is giving you, isn't it? More often than not. You're not saying to yourself. And you can grow into that label. You grow into that. can't you? Yes, because you mm. believe if you're yeah. hearing that constantly, mm. oh, I must be the anxious person because everyone says I'm anxious. Mm. I clearly am. Mm. That is That is one of the problems that we're facing, isn't it? That Those labels are being given you. Education and support is important to, to teach people that, you know, their words and how they choose to engage with people may matter to some people more than others. As Absolutely. you know, you and I grew up in a time when if someone told you or something, you're like, oh, I probably am. And you yeah. didn't take much weight to that. Mm. Well, you did, but you might not have realised how it showed up. So I was put in special needs groups at school and I was classed as stupid. And um, I absolutely know that if you send me an email that's got any kind of tone that indicates that I'm stupid or speak to me like I'm stupid, my French fry that I have worked on on my shoulder turns into the biggest <laughs> chip. And I, and I will go into the amygdala part of the brain from the humiliation of things that happened to me in the past. So then what happens is then I'm like, right then. Well, I'm going to say this, tap, 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 send. And then when you read back over the email, you actually kind of go, oh, they didn't mean it like that. I was looking at it with my own negative goggles on. And I think that if we can take that moment where we don't go into the amygdala, go and get a cup of tea, go and do something else, then we don't get defensive because believe me, the next email back escalates. And this is what Linda Lata was saying, that most of the things that become grievances in the workplace started off with a little tiny thing that went big, 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 big to the point where it got enormous. And actually, if you were to go back to that original email, the chances are it was a trigger that you feel about yourself because it's a link in the chain. So me feeling um, I was stupid at school, you know, being told, oh, you've got no brain cells to rub together, but you're very funny. You'll get on, you know. So those links in the chain that happened until your adulthood, they gather momentum and they gather weight. And then suddenly when we get to the age of, you know, and especially for women with menopause and stuff, we're like, no more. I'm not having this. And we respond potentially, and it's not just women, but we respond potentially in a way that is more dramatic, more big than is actually appropriate for the situation. And that's when someone else responds to us. Understanding your own human psychology and that of other people means you have what I would call more elasticated boundaries, that boundaries that are solid will break. But you can have elasticated boundaries because you can go, ah, you know, in fact, the most, I think the most kindest words that you can ever use are, yeah, that's okay with me. I don't care. I don't mind that that person thinks like that about me. That's their stuff, not my stuff. And by being able to be a little bit more elasticated, it means that we don't get so severely triggered. We don't have severe reactions and we don't escalate things. It also means we can have compassion to other people where we go, they're just not in, they're not being themselves. Yes. So I think if you believe that the core nature of every single human being is kindness and you believe that everyone is just doing the best job that they possibly can and you take that as your motto, then you can let more things go. If you believe that the world is out to get you, it will be. 
because you'll see it everywhere. But if you can believe that the world is set to kindness, even when someone's being a right miserable so-and-so, you can make them a cup of tea instead of being defensive. It's hard to do because, you know, you watch television and the media, things like EastEnders. It seems like the thing to do, especially with social media, is bark at each other just as a way of going... Look how brilliant I'm being. I'm telling people, no. Well, okay. Well, well, what is that doing? There's a really great game where um, you go, you say, might say something like, let's go for a picnic. And the person goes, yes, and we'll pack some Prosecco. Yes, and we'll get some marmalade sandwiches. Yes, and. And the energy builds. And if we had that in council meetings, yes, and we could do this. Yes, and we could do that. But we all know the person who goes, yeah. But, yeah, but. And the in energy from a yeah, but goes. And so the people in the room kind of, yeah, yeah we could do this. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, could do Yeah, but. And then suddenly everything becomes defa- deflated. And we need energy to tackle climate change. We need energy to, clap, uh, to tackle the way that we are with um, our economic situation. The yeah buts, we don't have room for yeah buts. You know, if there is a a distinct problem, you know, of course, yeah, we do need to discuss that. But most of the time, if you want to be a yeah but to get attention, which is quite often what yeah but is about, yeah, but I've got, uh, because it wasn't your idea, um, then we're just flattening the kinds of energy that we need right now, more than ever, to create the change that we need to see in the world and in our communities. And what council member wouldn't want to hear that? Well, well this, this, Becky, there, there, there was there was so many parts. You know, the energy. We this is one of the themes over the last couple of days while we've been talking to people is engagement with younger persons because they have that energy. They are enthusiastic without being tainted by the butts of the world. And we all know that as you get older, you tend to be a bit well. Oh, but I don't really know about that. You know, that comes engaging with the youth so that they can see well, we can do this, that can do. I was always taught, we can go and give it a go, try it. I I had a a really nice year, many years. And his view was, you don't know until you've tried it. Mm. It might not work, but you'll know it doesn't work. Right now, you're guessing. Yeah, and that was his view. Stepping out of your comfort zone is another. Again, way. I, th- <laughs> I, 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 I do. I think that's important as well. And you, what that, that expression you were saying on, you know, about it doesn't bother me. You know, I, my nan always, you know, from Yorkshire, she came water off a duck's back. Love. Yeah, that's all it is. Water off a duck's back. Exactly, exactly that. It's such a great expression, isn't it? Such a great expression. And I think that the more we can, do, I mean, obviously. You know, when we're talking about civility and respect, there are some things where somebody just really is out to get you and they are really doing that. And I know that when you are at that high end of drip feed bullying, everything that I'm saying, you will be rolling your eyes and going, yeah, but no, you will be rolling your eyes. Um, And I've been there. I have been bullied. I've been bullied lots throughout my career. Um, And... I, I know that this stuff works. I've had it work in my own life because I got to a point and I think that self-esteem comes from I've had enough. Self-esteem doesn't come from doing great things because there's always another Everest. Well, actually, no, there's only one. But there's always another challenge. There's always something to do. Um, you know, self-esteem in a sense, all of that stuff doesn't come from what we do, but it comes from who we are. It comes from, you know, having a good understanding of yourself. And I know that from the, the ways in which I've been bullied, um, how I've responded to it and how I've reacted to it has actually changed other people. And like I say, that's great advice apart from when it comes to psychopaths and narcissists, because those rules do not apply. 
Indeed, indeed. Well, so Shelley, any final thoughts before um, we wrap up with the lovely Becky this I, afternoon? I think that everybody should attend that training, don't you? I, I think, do you know, I'm, I may... I'm, <laughs> you might do yourself. I, I might come along myself. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very... Being, you know, this is what we're saying. Being a counsellor, I've, I've had people shout at me in the street. Yeah, um, um, and, and, and it's understandable that they, they want that person to just sometimes listen to them. Mm. I've tried ringing and no one talks to me. I've sent an email and it's been ignored. I'm the, And sometimes when they've been listened to, mm. they've probably got a, a very legitimate... They a, might be having a pretty bad day mm-hmm. and nine times out of ten, their reasons are pretty legitimate. And do you know what I find? Nine times out of ten, they were contacting the wrong council. <laughs> yeah, you know, so they're going, I'm getting my emails ignored. And then you go, well, who have you sent it to? Well, hang on a minute. That's the district yeah. council. That's yeah. not us. So, and some, yes. I occasionally step back for that thing. Have you even... Uh, yeah. Who did you ring? Who did you ring? <laughs> who did do you, you have ring? a name? Because yes, they yes. normally don't. Or they have a name and it's exactly the wrong place that they've been trying to contact. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, those, those things are hard. But you're absolutely right in what you say there. The art of, you know, we are all crying out to be seen, um, seen, heard and understood. And sometimes just sitting down, it's like what we, when we talk about good customer service, sometimes just sitting down and saying, OK, so what do you need? And listening. I remember I used to work in theatre and theatre is a funny place for egos. And actually, I found there's more egos in councils, if I'm honest. Um, but I worked in theatre as a stage manager. And I remember Bonnie Lankford and the, the MD was getting very upset, musical director, getting very upset about something or another. And, it, and he was mashing his toys out of the window and um she just said um what do you need and and he answered and all he needed was more sound in his in his speaker so he could hear the band that was but honestly you'd think it, you'd think hell had frozen over you'd think but literally just those words what do you need and it changed the room you know it changed the room and i think that we don't ask that because we go into defensiveness you know and i think it, the more if we don't go defensive if we, if we go curious instead of defensive we can really change the the vibe the energy the environment and by changing the environment to become curious instead of defensive or, or attacking we really can change our environments the challenge here is well no one asked us well, could you have gone and helped? Oh, we could have done something, but no one came and asked us. It's that changing that, as you, you, you from the you know the example you've just given us, Becky. What do you need? If the council occasionally said, well, "What is it we can help with?" Mm-hmm. or "We can do that," would you like us to do that? Mm-hmm. Actually, yes, we would. Thank you very much. Rather than the well, no one came and asked us. It's a time for the community engagement because for some people, actually, you know, they say, "Oh, well, you know, you can come to our annual meeting or you can come to a town council meeting." That's a huge step for a lot of people to walk into an environment like that that is set in a power dynamic from the get-go. So, actually, the communication—I mean, I'm a communications officer, so I would talk about this. But I think that really very much about um, uh, community engagement and how we actually engage you know so um, you know with play areas stick your gazebo up and meet the people in the park go and talk to the people in the park but yeah because we did this just recently and we discovered you know that a gate had been broken nobody said anything nobody complained nobody did anything but everyone was very worried about kids walking out of this gate because the the magnet thing had fallen Mm. off and um, but nobody said anything and it wasn't until we're in the park and then we got it fixed within a week but you know they've been moaning about it for oh well you know the council what just tell the council but this is that engagement so where I'm I I live we're quite lucky most of the councillors and the clerk are a a member of the social media page that the village has Mm -hmm. they are tagged in really quickly when something happens great it will be the park is a good example. The zip wired seat has broken and they will tag the parish clerk in Great. instantly on that post. 
we, we've helped, you know, with with communications training that our clerk has been on, and she's been on, so she's very, very good at communicating. She finds that, because again, those residents know first. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's better if they tag the page, because no, then, otherwise it gets you personal off, just anyone listening at home, better if you tag the page. But yeah, but yeah. I know, I know that that can be a good thing. Thank you. Becky Walsh, chatting to us about civility and respect in local government, and of course, challenging those that wish to challenge us. It's been a pleasure having you on and we look forward to speaking to you again in the future. Becky, thank you. Thank you.